<laughs> welcome him to the Grove. Give him a good Grove welcome, right? All right. Robert, welcome, man. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. For me, it just feels like being home. It doesn't feel like I've been away. Um, we're driving around Santa Fe, and I'm, I guess maybe once or twice, babe, we saw something like, oh, that's new, you know, but for the rest, for the most part, you know, it's just, it's kind of like being home. We lived here for 24 years, um, had been a part of um, the Grove and, and uh, previous churches with Eric and, and that, and so I am, I'm very excited to be able to be here and to speak to you when Eric and I talked about my coming uh, for the ride and that he talked about, you know, can do you want to speak? Can you speak? And so I took some time to pray about what I would share with you. And my my experience in Texas has been, you know, challenging. I'm I'm a regular guy. I know I have a pastor title, but really, if you get to know me, you'll know I'm I'm just like everybody else. I'm just a regular guy. Um, I do the pastor thing, and I I'm part of the church and those things, but I'm human like everybody else. And I, I experience challenges and hardships and those things, regular life like everyone else. And one of the challenges for us in moving was to step out of something where you're consistently doing ministry, being engaged in those things to not and not knowing anybody and those, those kinds of, so God's been working on me while I've been gone and moving me through a process. And as I was praying about what to speak to you, I felt that the Lord was saying, this is, this is not just for you, this is for them. And you guys are just coming out of this series, Backwards Plan. Eric and I talked a lot about that. And it, this, what I'm going to share with you today fits perfectly. So it's not a continuation of the series, but in addition to the series, I put a two-part series together for us tonight, uh, today and then next week. And I, I titled it, Why What? Uh, which, which might be kind of crazy. Like, I'm not sure, like, what is that? You know, but hang on. I'll get you there. Um, if you're not a Christian and you're here today and somebody drug you here and you really just came to, to like, shut them up, I just want to welcome you. Um, we're glad you're here. Maybe it's your third time because you kind of liked it. Welcome. What I'm going to talk today about really is geared for, toward Christians and people who believe in Christ and believe in this. But some of the principles I'm going to share will apply to you as a non-Christian. And I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of my talk to consider whether or not you would want to be a Christian or not. And I, I can't redefine Christianity for you, but one thing I would ask is that you don't miss Jesus. I understand that it's challenging when you look at the world and what, what's being said about Christians, but let me promise you that Jesus is everything he said he was. So I'll give you an opportunity at the end, but stay tuned. Stay engaged because some of these principles are things that you can use whether you're a Christian or not because God planned and designed us and he has intentions for us. And you're going to see that today. And, and as I go through this with all of you and what I'm going to share, I want you to know that my hope is this. I believe that if you understand, can understand what I'm saying, 
and can apply it to your life, that you will experience greater fulfillment in your relationship with God and greater fulfillment in the things that you do daily. Okay? That's a pretty big promise, but if I wasn't experiencing it, I wouldn't promise it. So that's been my experience. So let's go through part one. So as we're doing today, why what? So I'm new to Texas. Everybody's new. I don't know anybody. And how do you get to know people? You have to ask questions, right? And I've been learning, like, what questions to ask and what not to ask. I tend to be, uh, you know, I'm an extrovert. I'll just say it. I'm full on, like, if this is, the, this is like extreme introvert, so on the extrovert scale, I'm like, wait, I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm over there. And it's very challenging for me because I overwhelm introverts just naturally, all of you introverts. Right. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, did you actually think about that before you said it? And the answer is no. I, I didn't. I said it so I could think about it. That's, that's how extroverts work. So I apologize on behalf of all of the extroverts, the introverts. I'm sorry that we are like we are, but that's how I am. I'm an extrovert. So I ask questions, and I've learned, like, there are some questions you, you don't add follow-on questions. For example, what do you do for work? What I've learned is if, if somebody says to me, uh, I work for an engineering firm, what they're really saying is, that's it, buddy, don't push it. Don't ask any more questions about what I do. But, I, you know, me, I'm just like, well, okay, but what do you do at the, you know, what do you do at the engineering firm? <laughs> this one guy, like, his head, like, turned, and he gave me the death glare. Like, dude, I told you to back off. I'm like, I'm not from here. <laughs> so I'm learning. I'm learning. But, but this question that I'm asking so many people, what do you do for work? What do you do for fun? Um, what do you guys do on the weekends? What restaurants do you go to? These questions about what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? I'm asking those questions. And in this process that God has been taking me through, I've, I've realized something hugely significant. And, and how it came to me was I was on an airplane. And, okay, I was in the middle seat. Okay, so I'm looking. I tried not to look. But, you know, I'm looking because there's not much to see in a plane. So I'm looking at this guy and he's reading this book. And I thought, what an interesting title. And so I, I you know, Googled it. I, the guy that wrote it has a TED Talk. It's the third most listened to TED Talk of all time. So those of you who aren't familiar with TED, please don't Google that right now. I'm talking. Okay. You can Google TED after uh, it's training and education, development, something like that. They have a website. Lots of people give talks. Um, so I Googled it. I watched the guy's TED Talk. And I, I'm sitting there and just I'm blown away at what he's saying. So I got a hold of the book. Uh, Eric had it. And I listened to it online. Listened to the book. And God just rocked me so much. And so now the question I want to ask people as a follow-on, but I think, I think this might get me in trouble too. But the question I want to ask after I say, what do you do for work, is why do you do that? And I think the response I'm going to get will be the title of this series. I'm sorry, why what? 
what do you, why do you do that for work? Um, what, why what? Why do I do um, a paycheck? Right? How many of you? What do you do for work? What do you do for school? What are you, what are you doing? Why do you do it? Why do you do it? Is it a result? Like a paycheck? I'm doing it for an A because I'm in school. You know, I'm trying to keep my parents off my back. Maybe that's your answer. But the question of why do you do what you do is, is, is been plaguing me through this process that I've been going through. And what I found is that an answer to a question that I've had for a long time, which is this, why, why are some people more successful than others? Why, why are some companies more successful than other companies? Like, you, you know, you see that, moms, you see that other, you know, other parents' kid in a soccer field, and that kid is just blowing everybody away. I mean, some of it's natural talent, but what's going on there? At work, there's that guy who seems to be able to engender loyalty from everybody, and he's been promoted twice, and I've been here for 20 years, and there's that, that person in our life that, that we see. Why, why, is, why is Apple so innovative compared to other companies? like Dell or, or Gateway, for example. Why is that? And, and what I found in reading this book, I found the answer to that question. And it shocked me because I actually learned this. I mean, really, I'm watching the TED Talk, and I'm going, oh, my gosh. He's saying, he's saying it. He's saying it. At work. I became that guy that people wanted to hear what he thought. And it was because I learned this principle from the CEO of our company. I didn't realize that that's what it was, but it was. But you know what? In my Christian life, it wasn't really, it wasn't really like that. I, I was a deacon at a church. It's what I did. I was on the worship team, played the drums, it's what I did. I was even a board member for a 501C here in Santa Fe for a time. It's what I did. And the process and the contrast of what I did compared to why I did it, this, this, this key element that was missing, that I had it at work. I didn't have it in the rest of my life. What is that key difference that key difference that separates people who are average or just doing what they do to those people who are greatly successful, innovative, changing the world. What is it? So I, I searched the Bible because that's what I do. I'm a pastor. I searched the Bible and I looked through and I found hundreds and hundreds of stories and verses that outline this key difference. Once you know it, as you're reading the stories, you will see it. And, and for me, it just blew me away. So Eric said I couldn't do 100 slides with all these different verses. So I just pasted them all on one slide. So the white font kind of blended. I don't know if you can take a picture of it for later. Maybe if you get a filter, you might... I'm serious. It's like that. If I, had, if I had pasted everything on there, there would be no black on the entire screen because it's so much. And this is why I believe that's true. This is a God principle. 
There are things in our lives that are God principles, and this is a God principle, and that's why it crosses every segment of human, of human life. It doesn't matter if you're a mom, if you're a teenager, your classroom, your school. It doesn't matter if you're in the business world. It, it doesn't matter if you're driving a race car, you know, I'm in Texas, right, at the rodeo, you know, or whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's a God principle. And so I focused, I was talking to a good friend of mine, and I'm, how can I narrow this? There's so many. And he said, dude, I just read this one the other day. You should use this. So I found from my friend this story. It's a story of Esther. Now, I don't know how many of you know the story of Esther, so I'm just going to tell you this story about Esther. Esther and her uncle, Mordecai. Okay, the story occurs around four or five, four to five hundred BC. In a nutshell, uh, Xerxes, who was the king of that empire, it, his queen completely dis- disrespected him publicly, so he had her dequeened and, and set aside. He didn't kill her, at least that was good, right? She wasn't Henry VIII, but anyway, he had her moved out from being queen, and then he sought the kingdom for a new queen. And Esther's a Jewish woman, and Mordecai's a Jewish guy, and Esther, as as a young girl, she gets selected, and she goes through this process, which is a pretty elaborate process. You can read about it in the book of Esther. It's in the Old Testament. Goes through this process of becoming the queen, okay? And she does. She becomes the queen. Enter the bad guy. Okay, so Haman is his name. He comes in and Mordecai disrespects him. Now, Mordecai has some form of leadership. Uh, he sits at the city gate, which mean he, it means he has some influence and all that. And he disrespected Mordecai because Mordecai is thinking to bow down and worship Haman because he's of the office that he's in under Xerxes. So that's just something Jewish people won't do. So... <laughs> Haman is very motivated, and he decides that I'm not just going to kill Mordecai, this Jewish guy who disrespected me, because all these Jewish people are the same. I'm going to kill them all. So he convinces Xerxes through a series of statements that are not quite true, that all the Jewish people are disrespecting him. They're running amok. We need to eliminate them. So he he gets King Xerxes' um, agreement and puts out an edict that on a certain day all Jewish people will die. Now as this, as Queen Esther has gone along to become queen, she has never revealed to anyone that she's Jewish and for whatever reason they can't tell. Mordecai hears of this horrible plan to end his his people, right? To end them. And he he calls on his niece Esther and says This terrible thing is about to happen. You need to talk to the king and get this erased. You need to go talk to him now. And Esther said this, okay? She said, I, that's really, um, Robert, summary, that's not what I do. I'm the queen and like that's not what I do because if you go to see the king and he's not called for you, if he doesn't point his scepter of acceptance to you, you're dead. They kill you. 
You don't approach the king without, not by request. So she says that, you know, basically I've been queen. I've just been doing what I do. This is what I do. And my role as queen is what I do. And that is not what I do. And, and Mordecai says this to her. It's very powerful. If you read the whole thing, it's, it's very powerful. But basically, he says, look, your what, what you do, your thought process about what you do is messed up. Because you're missing the fact that God may have put you in this kingdom for such a time as this. You have lost sight of why you're there because you've been focusing on what you do. You've forgotten the Almighty God and His purpose for your life. You've completely set that aside. And, and he, says, he says, God may arise another way to save His people because God is faithful in essence. But you're not going to make it. Because you, and he doesn't say this, but basically you're turning down this opportunity that God has given you. But, and I, I wouldn't read too much into that. I'm not trying to apply that. It's just, you read it, you'll see it. It's basically he's saying, you and your family will not survive. Right? Haman's got a mission. And if, if when he finds out, you're done. So you need to realize why you're there. So Esther, you know, has a moment, realizes for such a time as this, God may have put me in this spot. So she is now choosing to match what she does with why she does it and her purpose. In other words, Mordecai is saying to her, why would you risk your life and approach the king? Because you believe in the preservation of your people. That's why you would do this. You believe in the power of God to deliver them. That's why you would overcome the roadblocks, the hardship, the potential death. Because of what you believe. Your beliefs, your beliefs should drive what you do. What you believe should drive what you do. That's what was missing. And Mordecai says, look, I, I know it's not what you want to do. Okay? You could die. It's true. But we're all going to die. So you might as well, you know, step up and take that next step and marry those two things. This is why you would do what you're going to do, Mordecai is saying to her. And so Esther lives her why. She, she figures it out. They, she has everybody pray and fast. I don't want to leave you without the story. So she prays and fasts and through this very creative plan, Haman is, is revealed as the bad guy, and he gets his just reward. I mean, it's kind of like one of our movies today. He dies in the end. And, uh, and Mordecai and Esther are celebrated, and, and God's people are saved because she recognized the difference between what she did and why she would do it. If you look, and that's why I title why what? Why do you do what you would do. And if you look in scripture, honestly, with this understanding and reading, Father God works this way. For God so loved the world, he gave his only, wait, wait. 
For God so loved the world. That's his why. Gave his only begotten son. That's how he showed his love for us. What he did. Jesus, John 10.10. I came that you would have life. And have it to the full. This is why Jesus came. And this Paul, John the baptizer, David, you name it. These guys who had high influence and high impact in the world, in, in the Bible, they all started with why. They started with why. If I could give you a business illustration of this from a company perspective. Just hear me out. This is on the TED Talk. You can check it out. Basically, the guy says, imagine a computer company coming to you and saying, hey, we make beautiful computers, easy to use, user-friendly, feature-rich. Do you want to buy one? What do you guys think? Do you want to buy one? Mm, I don't know. Well, like what features? And how does it compare to all the other companies who make computers? And what's the cost? And how does that translate? And what are the reviews? I mean, you're going to Google the thing to death, right? If you want a computer, if you're not interested in a computer, you're like, nah. Okay. Apple does it differently. They're a computer company. Don't forget. They come to us and they say, for everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo. We believe in thinking differently. How we do that? We make beautiful computers. They're easy to use, user-friendly, and are feature-rich. Want to buy one? It's different, right? There's an element of (coughs) that identifies with what I believe. I believe in challenging the status quo, too. I believe in thinking differently. I'm kind of tired of how things are. Now, now, you're, now we're, we're, we have common goals and common values, and we're taking a step toward this company because of what they believe. They're communicating what they believe. It's their why. It's why they do it. Southwest Airlines is the same way. When they showed up on the scene, they said, what? You're free to move about the country. Because at the time that they said that, flying was kind of an elitist thing that happened. And Keller came in and said, hey, look, everybody should fly. We need to, this is why we're going to create this company is to meet this need, to empower more people to have the freedom of human flight. And there are many, many, many other successful companies I could talk to you about. And I could talk to you also about the failures. Because there are many of those. And honestly, if you look at why they failed, it's because they got focused on what they did. Here are our features. Let's try another sale. Come buy our stuff. You know? And that, that's not inspiring. We believe in challenging the status quo. That's inspiring. And Apple has done it. They proved it. Their why and what align. We didn't see a time when Steve Jobs was running Apple where they split that. It's an, and that's why you'd, you'd buy an IP, uh, uh, MP3 player, why you'd buy a laptop and a tablet 
why you'd buy these other things, the DVR, Apple TV. That's why you would buy that Spectrum. They're a computer company. Would you buy a DVR from Dell or Gateway? No, but you would from Apple. And it's because when Apple came in, they said, this is what we believe. And because we identify with what they believe, we join them. And this is the concept. People don't buy what you do. They buy what you, they buy why you do it. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And thus relationships are formed and founded on common goals. And that's why it works so well for Apple and our companies because this is the God principle and you can see it everywhere in scripture. With Esther, when she knew why she was queen, she called out to the entire Jewish nation for them to fast for three days and she went to the Lord and said, God, this is why I'm here. This is why you put me here. Empower me to accomplish your will. I'm going to go before the king. I could die, but if I perish, I perish, she says. It's because she knew why she was there. So what you do is the tangible way you prove what you believe. So let me, I mean, I want to ask you again. I mean, I don't want to leave this slide for a second, but I'm going to ask you the question again. Why do you do what you do, Mom? Why do you do what you do, Dad? Coworker, manager, student? Why do you do what you do? Do you, is your purpose aligned? When you're doing this, do you really see why you're doing it? Do you see your, what you believe? This is the truth, okay? It's not happy. You can really tell what you believe by what you do. That's it. If you look at what you're doing, and then you, you say, well, I believe these things, but I'm not doing any of those things, you probably really don't. You really don't believe those things. You believe in the idea of those things, but you're not living that connection. They aren't aligned. They don't match. They don't fit. Next week, we're going to talk more about how that fit works and how successful you can be at living that. When you, why you do is what you do, or why you do what you do, when you understand that, when you understand how your beliefs, your beliefs could drive what you're doing, when you, when you bring that together, because some of us have no idea why we do what we do. Well, you know, it's a paycheck. We've gotten caught in the result aspect of it. But I promise you this, that if you will take some time to figure out why you're doing what you're doing, focusing on what you believe, because here, it's simple. I believe, how many of you, I believe in the power of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ to change a life. I believe in inspiring people to see past their roadblocks, past their hindrances, so that they can live the best life possible. I believe that. And God took me through this process of realizing what I believe, and now I'm bringing that to everything I do. So when my coworker comes in my office, sits down and tells me her tale of woe, 
maybe in the past I was thinking, oh my gosh, get out of my office. This is the, you know, the Monday data dump from the bad weekend. And I, I've got work to do because this is what I do. But now I understand why I'm here because I understand God's purpose in my life. And so now I'm going to turn and I'm going to invest in what God wants to do in that person's life. And I'll pray for them if they'll let me. I'll encourage them if they'll let me. And most of all, I'll try to inspire them to see past their hindrances, past their roadblocks, to God's purpose in their life so they can live the best life possible. And that is with Jesus Christ. And through through this sharing of my beliefs, through this time of being with people like that, trust emerges. Right? Trust emerges when we do business, I'll call it business, but it doesn't matter, with people, when we interact with people who believe what we believe. Trust is a feeling. You guys know that, right? Isn't it what you say? I just didn't feel like I could trust them. Feel, we said, trust them. You can have some logic of why you would trust or not trust a person, but really, it boils down to Do I feel like I can trust them? In this process, you will see, you will experience fulfillment as you're sharing your beliefs, as you're living your beliefs, as what you do lines up with why you do it. And we're just coming out of the series called Backwards Plan, right? And and Eric talked a lot about uh, everyone is going somewhere, he said, right? The question is, where, do, where are you going to end up? Right? Nothing happens without intention, in other words. And he just, seriously, he's talking about this process of, of backwards planning and understand. And, and really, I'm here today to tell you, look, as you do this, making your backwards plan, as you're working through that entire process, you need to start with why. You need to start with why you're going to do what you're going to, why do you have those goals? What, are, what beliefs, beliefs are they founded on? What direction are you hoping that God is taking you? Have you communicated with him? What's your purpose? How does that play into your backwards plan? And I want to challenge you with that. The second part is, is, is this, and I'll close with this aspect, is that there's always a who. I've talked about why, what, why, and what. I mentioned how. It's always a who. And this much I promise you, you can tell in what I shared in terms of what I believe, my belie- what I believe, my beliefs are about the impact to other people. And if others is always, if others is your who that you're wanting to impact as opposed to yourself, you will experience, you will live the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will experience that impact. I just, I just can't communicate enough that when someone comes into your life, whether it's the classroom, work, at home, you know, at the, at the playland with the other moms, you're going you're gonna to experience people. People are going to come into your life where they're, they're giving God one last chance. They're giving life one last chance. And it's for such a time as this that you are there, that God wants you to communicate what you believe. 
And then God will do the work to bring that person out of that pit where they can walk confident in a relationship with him because you understood why you were doing what you were doing. So this is my challenge, that you would determine your purpose. It seems like it's kind of hard to maybe because you're like, I don't even know. I don't know what I don't I don't know why I do what I do. I don't know. All I did was I just turned around and looked at my life. And I said, oh, you know, I saw myself trying to help people. I'm an extrovert, right? So I'm always telling, like, and even in the grocery store, my wife's like, you don't work here. You know, please come with me. Because I can tell. I mean, it's like, he's looking for honey, you know. It's with the peanut butter. They never put it in the baking aisle. I'm sorry. I talked to the store owner for you on your bank. You're the fifth person I've helped this week. I mean, that's, how, that's the thing. Right? I can see that I want to help people get past what's blocking them. It was a simple glance at my life to see. And so I began this process. The Lord walked me through. And I got out my notepad and you know, I put it, on, put it on paper. I have it in my phone. Anytime I thought about it, anytime I was doing something and I built what is my why, the why I do what I do. And I'm having so much fun. And I'm having so much more fulfillment than ever. And I'm having an incredible impact. And God has put me in positions of influence where I can inspire and empower people to live the best life possible. So my challenge to you today is to take some time. Okay? You've been working on your backwards plan. So just turn around and look at how you've been in your life, the good things. The times where you were sharing your belief. Well, there was a, a sense of fulfillment when you felt the most content. What were you doing? Why were you doing it? And create a statement for yourself that is focused on others and inspires and empowers you to live your purpose and why God intended for you to be here. And then work to have what you do support why you do it. Amen? Now, I promised that I would, I would give anyone an opportunity who wanted to come in relationship with Christ. And like I said, I, you know, I can't redefine Christianity for you. I know it's challenging. If you, when you look out there, it just seems like some of us are behave, misbehaving. And I, I agree. I agree with you. I, I struggle with some of the things that I'm seeing in the world, too, because I, I feel they're misrepresenting Christ. And I struggle with that. But that's how everything is. Everyone is like that in every area. And the reality is you as an individual still have stuff you need to deal with. Right? Those things that plague you that, oh, I, I regret that I did that. I regret that I was that way to that person. I regret that I, you know, I don't know, went to Vegas and I shouldn't. I mean, whatever it is, you have stuff that you need to deal with God designed you to deal with those things with him that's why he sent his son to die on a cross for all the things that we've done that we shouldn't have so that we can have this opportunity to 
experience his love, experience relationship with him. We call it inviting him into our life. God wants to do that in you so that you can live and experience that best life possible. I want to give you that opportunity right now. It's very simple. It's, it's a conversation. And I'll, I'll, we call it prayer. I'll lead you in this prayer. I'm sure you're familiar with prayer. I'll lead you in a prayer. And basically, you're just saying, I, Lord, deal with this stuff in me. Forgive me for all of the stuff that I did that I shouldn't have. Become a part of my life and lead and guide me as I move forward in what you have for me. Because you're here for a reason also for just just a time like this, for such a time like this. God brought you here so that you could have an opportunity to engage because he loves you and he wants what's best for you. So if we could bow our heads and close our eyes just, just for some privacy. If you're interested or willing to pray this prayer with me to invite God in to your life, can you just raise your hand, lift up your hand? Praise the Lord. Thank you. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Okay, put your hands down. Last call. Anybody else? You're on the fence. Look. I promise you, loving Christ and letting, loving Jesus and letting him love you is one of the best decisions you will ever make in your life. Last call. Anyone else? All right, fantastic. So I'm going to lead you in this prayer, those of you that raised your hands. And uh, we'll all pray. Can I have all the Christians pray too? And let's, let's take this step forward and then I'll share some more information with you that will empower you to engage in that relationship with the Lord because he loves you. God loves you and he wants to walk with you. Let's just um, repeat this prayer after me from your heart. Father God, forgive me for all of the things that I've done that were wrong. I give you all the junk. Lord, Lord, let me receive your love. I put my faith and my trust in you. And I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Lord, be with me forever. In Jesus' name, amen.